I've been reading? The two host format. Right. Which is two people who know each other well. Yeah, that's us. And are passionate about a topic. <laughs> I was a bit worried. I thought you were passionate about each other. <laughs> well, we I mean, are, like, but we not, boundaries. Yeah, not passionate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. This is a social work podcast called Paul and Sarah Doodoo. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to do do the independent <laughs> review, which rhymes, which I'm very proud of. Fantastic. Okay. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself, Sarah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm really pleased to be here, obviously, Paul. <laughs> I thought I was coming around for a cup of tea. Um, but here we are, and I'm, I'm really excited about uh, talking to you uh, I'm, and just to, yeah, have a bit of a chat, really. Great. So how long have you been... What are you doing in social work at the moment? Yeah, sorry. So I haven't introduced myself. So I... Um... <laughs> that was exactly what I asked you to do. <laughs> I know. I promise it won't always be like this. Um, so my name's Sarah, as you know, Paul. And I've been in social work now since, well, probably about 20 years, but not qualified for that length of time. But qualified for about... 12 I think and um, I'm have I've got a lot of background in kinship care and I am now newly in a new role uh, doing community development around domestic abuse Great. work so I can talk more about that another time brilliant Gav can you be a bit quieter with the making the drinks <laughs> that's alright I mean thank you sorry <laughs> so um, my name is Paul Shuttleworth Dr Paul Shuttleworth of course <laughs> of course <laughs> But obviously, I play that down quite a lot. Sh- what shall I call you? Just Paul? <laughs> just, yeah, obviously. Call me just Paul or Doctor? No, just Paul. Okay. Um, yes, and uh, so I have been in... I've been probably about 20 years, and I've just finished with Baswa. Um, and I'm doing kind of publication, and I'm jobless at the moment. So I'm doing some, <laughs> I'm doing some stuff for Sussex University, but I'm a little bit jobless. Okay. So maybe this will be a good way for me to get a job. I think so. <laughs> so, I thought what we'd start off with, as uh, Paul and Sarah's do do, I thought we'd start off with, um, what did you do do this week? What did I do do, do this week? <laughs> it's like, You're insinuating you like... that I don't do any <laughs> no, 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 no. of a week. Okay. So as in, yeah. something that you did really, really well this week that you'd like to do more of. Oh, wow. Because we don't praise ourselves enough as social workers, mm-hmm. I think. So I would like to know mm-hmm. the kind of thing... Obviously, I've just sprung this on you. So you totally you, have. <laughs> so That's fine. So we can, we can have a pause. I think, um, just being sprung that question, I, my kind of initial thing that comes to mind, really, is I've been spending a bit of time uh, noticing hmm. my own um, affect. So some, as in... How to, how to describe it? So it's if I'm kind of noticing when I'm kind of feeling tired, actually, what's that about? Instead of kind of keep pushing through and keep working, it's like actually knowing when to take time to rest. I've kind of been, I mean, I'm talking about it as though I've just kind of done it this week, but it's taken a lot of practice to to know when to, um, when so, to take a break, okay. when to listen to what your body's saying, yeah. when to notice what things might be coming up for you, why those things might be coming up. I've had a lot going on. So, uh, that's, so that's your doo-doo. So my doo-doo, communication is not just about talking. It's about listening as well. Right. Okay, Paul. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I went for an interview. Did you? To, yeah, to do a fellowship thing. 
and it was all um, basically it was all like uh, um, really hard to get and things like that. I'm just mm. going to pause you for anybody who doesn't necessarily know what the fellowship is, okay, and I just yeah. wonder if you could take a moment to to say a bit more about that. Well, see, I think that's where I kind of fell down my interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. Basically, they asked me a question, what do you think the fellowship can do for you? And what I thought they said was, what could I do for the fellowship? Right. So I was going, oh, it'd be great, because, like, you'd have my name on things that I've done. Um, uh, so, and then they were also saying, um, so, um, they were asking me, what's my impact? What's your impact? My impact. I think you've, had, you've got a huge impact. I, th- I think I've got a huge impact, but, the, but I was saying my impact was things like, well, actually, I'm going to build up these really, really great materials for practitioners with children's voices at the centre so that they'd be able to, you know, we would all learn together in a collaborative fashion. But I think they were kind of more academic type thinking. And they were like, no, that's, that's, for, that's dissemination. That's how you give information. That's not impact. Oh, right. OK. Anyway, so I failed it and they didn't get it. Oh, that's a real shame. Because I think you've had a lot of impact, but you don't need me to tell you that now. Well, I think it's, I think, do you know what I think it is, actually? I think it's because as social workers, we're constantly thinking about linking theory to practice all the time. And what the, what our impact is always going to be. That's the whole point of reflection. That's the whole point of reflexivity. So it's kind of ingrained in us. And these guys, they were all, um, I'm going to say orthodentists, but they weren't. They were (laughs) archaeologists? No. Anthropologists. Right. Right. They were anthropologists. So they are all very kind of, you know, what's the neoliberal cause of kind of South African kind of fruit picking? And so they always have to translate that into impact. Whereas yes. it's ingrained into us, linking theories practice all the time. That's what well, we And then kind of describing it exactly, makes it really difficult. Exactly, because it's actually part of what we do. Yes, right. a bit like a really hard math sum that you're really good at and then you're asked to break it down and that actually Correct. feels quite hard yeah. because you can get to the answer really quickly. Exactly and you, that. Yeah. Exactly that. Okay. So, anyway, so listening. So I've decided that I'm going to listen to actually what people ask me before I just talk. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, so moving on to um, your poo-poo. Hang on, that wasn't part of the agreement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what's the thing that's really annoyed you this week? Oh, okay. That's interesting because um, I'm just pausing because I was about to say, I don't think I get really annoyed about anything, but that can't be true. It will be something. Um, I'll go for, so I, uh, so it's Jubilee weekend, obviously. Yes. Well, that came to my mind. I wanted to unpick that a bit more, but I also thought, I don't know if that's the time or place. No, I think we should because I don't mind the Jubilee, but I don't want to get involved. And I don't want people to try and involve me when I don't want to get involved. Mm. It's enforced fun, isn't it? I've got something quite controversial to say. Go on then. Now's the time to do it. So, and I don't know if this necessarily annoyed me, but it was a thought that I had, which is, of course, we're celebrating the Queen and how long she's been Queen for, and that's a great thing for her, isn't it? But as you said, do I want to be part of this? Should I be? She hasn't been seen recently. No, so she hasn't... She's getting older, she hasn't been well, etc. But... and. And this might be up, sound upsetting, but I'm bringing it back to my work. I was thinking, essentially, she's got a son who's um, a risk. Allegedly. A sexual risk to mm. young people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, 
so thinking about Andrew, well, not thinking about him too much, but I was just thinking, were the Queen a grandmother living on kind of local housing estate where people might associate it with poverty and deprivation? And we were doing a social work assessment of a mother who had a grown man who happened to be a sexual risk to children. Allegedly. We wouldn't really... Uh, we, perhaps, as social workers, obviously there'd be a lot of assessment there to take place. Mm. But also, how would the local community respond to her? And people probably wouldn't respond to her that favourably. But because we're talking about the royal family, and obviously the Queen is very much on a pedestal, and yeah. people have that kind of... Again, I'm not a royalist, so I can't really say too much about well, it. But that was fault, just a though, thought. It? It's not her fault, no. I'm not necessarily saying it is her fault. But we know about... Um, Intergenerational... Harm and impact, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, that was a reflection of mine about the Jubilee weekend. However, I'm really um, thankful for having an extra, uh, like, a long weekend. Yeah, I've been working. Okay, well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Got you can always trust me to bring up the media <laughs> files. Let's do-do the care review. Let's start with what you know about the care review. Well, that's a really good question. And actually, I feel um, that I'd like to say I know quite a lot about it. Mm. And so I guess what would be helpful is for you just to give a little bit of background about it. And then I might be able to kind of build on and, and give reflections around okay. that. The, the reason why I ask is because when we've been doing kind of surveys or talking to different social workers, lots of them are saying, well, I don't have time to know anything about it. Mm -hmm. I have no time to read the hundreds of pages. And it's almost like, actually, this is something that's been put upon us from people from above and just basically telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. Telling, once again, here we go again, someone telling us what to do, we've just got to change things in the next few years and then another thing will come out in the next few years and we just have to change it again. And so people, because they're just so busy, lack of resources, lack of funding, all of that kind of stuff, they're just going, that's fine. Let, let you just tell us what to do then. If you're going to tell us what to do, just tell us what to yeah. do. Yeah, people haven't got time to kind of necessarily engage with it. As you exactly. said, they're so busy doing the kind of frontline day-to-day -day yeah. work. Yeah. So the care review came out, came about because, basically because um, it, was, it was all from this guy, one guy, who kind of got the care experience community together. And they, he put a letter towards, and his name's John Rado, D-D-O-U-X saying, actually, we need a review of the whole system. And it was backed by loads and loads mm -hmm. of care experience people. Saying, actually, what we need is just to find out what's working, what's not working. Because for a lot of children, mm -hmm. it works. But for a lot of children, it doesn't work. Yeah, I can understand why. And they wanted to have a look at how, the, how it can be done better. And that was off the back of lots of care experience people saying, actually, it needs to be done better. This, this is what's happened to me. Um, and we want government to sit up and listen. So the, the Tory government in their manifesto said, we will do an independent review. We will do a review for people. And from that, we can make recommendations and we will move that along. So kind of a few years later, and this is all kind of mixed up with, uh, you know, Michael Gove? Yes. So he kind of tries to push this kind of agenda. And it's kind of a slightly... Previously before, he was kind of saying, actually, I think social workers, they're, they're too political. You know, they, they, get, they get too involved in kind of the, the whys and the wider kind of things like poverty and all that kind of stuff. They just need to go and do the jobs. And it's a very technical, rational way of doing jobs. So we're like mm. robots, basically. Mm. What and did you think about that statement or that kind of his thinking then? Well, it's obviously done by someone that has no idea about the everyday kind of uh, dilemmas that social workers take. No, and I guess he's got his own 
I thought Michael Gove was adopted and that's oh, why he's he? taken on okay. a kind of real drive with this coming forward. However, he's also kind of so far removed from a lot of the day-to-day families that we work with. Yeah, yeah. As you said, those kind of complexities that social workers face. Yeah. It almost, it was so mismatched with what he was asking us to do as though it's a bit like when they talk about the sausage machine of social work assessments. Yeah. And actually, it's it's not straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, you have to think about how the kind of, the play between poverty, people's intersectionalities, um, kind of systemic difficulties challenges you know within that it's not as straightforward is it because it kind of suggests a level playing field and we know that there is there isn't a level playing field and i suppose that's the whole idea isn't it that we get uh, that if people just work hard they can work their way through poverty they can gain things and and all of that yeah they hired uh, josh McAllister to do it and now we don't know about the uh interview process about that so this guy can i just stop you there so can you just tell us who is josh McAllister then where's he come from so he was a guy that did uh he was a teacher and he did this thing called uh it was uh teach first so it's trying to get what they were saying it's really really bad language but what they were saying at the beginning it was trying to get the brightest and the best through into teaching and he set up this uh a kind of it's a charity yeah called frontline which was to get more children and families social workers into social work but it had about i think it was about 40 million mm-hmm. uh plugged into it from the government okay 40 million th- pounds yeah 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 um there's just been another contract for about another 80 million, I think it is. So putting that to size, the idea is that you get the brightest and the best again. So I don't know what we are. Well, I struggle with that concept <laughs> anyway, the brightest and the best go into teaching because also we know, you know, teaching uh, staff are incredibly skilled at what they do. And yeah. so when you say, actually, we're going to put 40 million pounds into recruiting these people, you're telling everyone that you've already recruited that they're not good enough. And actually, you should, yeah. should be equipping your staff exactly um, to, do, to be able to do their jobs. Everybody's yeah. qualified, everybody's experienced. And I really struggle with that when they kind of start from scratch and do it all over again, or yeah. actually, let's recruit a whole load of different people. Yeah, because you're saying, basically, you're saying that the other people are the, the dullest and the brightest the dullest and the worst yeah yeah so what we've got at the moment is the dullest and the worst but also i think it's really interesting that that actually when we look at the stats in terms of universities and people that have got degrees we know there's inequalities there so people from care experienced communities in terms of um minoritized ethnicities all of these kind of things Mm. we know that there's certain types of people it's getting better but there's certain type of people that go to university get these degrees usually white middle class etc etc that are going to be doing this fast track scheme which is paid by the way so it's a paid opportunity so you get paid to do the fast track scheme Mm. whereas at university you know some people get bursaries mm-hmm. but it's a lot of money and what we want is we want social workers to reflect mm-hmm. the communities we work with we don't want you know me as a white middle class uh, slightly middle aged um, <laughs> not completely <laughs> not not at all sorry i should have come in quicker there yeah thank you <laughs> i'm slightly middle aged man but we don't want more people like me mm-hmm. we want diversity yes so that people can understand. I'm not saying that I don't understand the community, but but actually what we do is we want people with lived experiences. Yes. Don't we? Yes. Within social work. That's what's going to make a great social work work. So it was all kind of a little bit from the, you know, this whole idea of frontline, um, kind of fast tracking these brightest and best students. And then for some reason, Josh McAllister, this guy that was a teacher, 
that then built up this great kind of scheme and all of this kind of stuff. For some reason, out of the blue, he got the contract, 120,000 or whatever it was, he was gonna be paid for a year in order to look at the care system and see what worked and see what didn't work. And it's really, really interesting how, I suppose, how he got that. Because there's a lot of experienced social work professionals out there that actually yeah. could also... And academics. Yes. You know? So there's, you've got people like Ray Jones. So Ray Jones is a guy that um, wrote a book in terms of privatisation of children's services. Right. And he's been head of director of services. He was uh, chair of British Association of Social Work. He's been doing practice. He's an academic. All of these different things. He's an amazing, amazing man, honestly. And you've read his book. I've read his I've, book. I've not read. I've not read the book. And was he kind of for or against? Just a kind of. Well, he's very... completely against privatisation. Right. He doesn't believe, like all of us, shouldn't believe that you should be making profit out of children that have been abused and neglected. Yeah. I mean, that's a non-starter, right? Yeah. So, and so that you know, that's that's where he comes from, and he looks at different ways that that different services have been privatised throughout. Now, he's been given the gig of uh, Northern, Northern Ireland and do a care review for them. Right. So they get him. Yes. We get a teacher. Yes. He obviously very bright, very Well, clever. he's one of the brightest and the <laughs> best. Yes, clearly. That's clearly. why he wants more people like him. Yeah. He's also connected to our chief social worker. So he's also connected to the Department for Education. Yes. Um, who's had money off the Department for Education, mm. um, given this kind of gig, and he has no kind of uh, practice experience either, uh, has no experience of doing reviews. So everyone was kind of up in arms about it, going, first of all, how is he independent? And secondly, how does he have the skills to do this? Mm. How does he have the skills and the knowledge? Okay. And, so he's, yeah. so just coming back to the care review then, yeah. so he's he's the one that's been tasked with completing the care review system yeah. within England, yeah. looking at uh, children and young people's experiences yeah. of being within local authority care, what's working well and what's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, he started by looking at, so what he wanted to do was he wanted to get uh, experts by experience at the centre of the review. So the first step that he did, he wanted to get this board together. Now thousands of care experience pe um, people applied for this. Right. And they got dingied by, in, ding, dingied? Uh, ghosted? Yeah. <laughs> From in modern day. <laughs> in modern day. They got ghosted. No, they didn't get ghosted. They got a reply by email, which was just, oh, no, you weren't good enough. Thanks, it, but no yeah, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for offering your really painful experiences. Yes. And saying that you'd like to go forward and work through this, but... Nah. No, actually, we still don't think you're good enough to be able to take part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really giving people... Nice, nice. Yeah, contradictory um, messages. He did kind of admit that that probably wasn't the best way to go forward. Okay. Do you know, um, someone we, we used to work with this came up to me... This being recorded. It's fine, he can cut it out. <laughs> There's someone we used to work with. They came up to me um, when we were having a drink and stuff, and they're going, do you fancy him? Because I really fancy him. What? Well, do you fancy him? Because I really fancy him. That's what they said to me. I was like, no. Why Why would you think that? So you were talking about something to do with Josh McAllister. And well, apparently an he's really fancy. I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to, have you seen him? I do not fancy him. Not him there. I mean, he's gay, he's gay as well. Well, that's probably why I don't fancy him. I could definitely <laughs> didn't pick up any. He looks quite young to me. And he well, he's 35. He's young. He's a young guy. Check that, Gareth. Mm -hmm. He's a young guy. I mean, I have thought about what it'd be like to be a power couple with George McAllister. 
That'd be even, a rocky, even, rocky road, that one. But even in terms of, um, our, you know, Brangelina. So we would be posh, Paul and Josh. <laughs> You've given this quite a bit of <laughs> I know, no, but I don't fancy him, obviously. Just to let you know that. So we've got someone that doesn't have social work experience, kind of hasn't been through social work training. Hasn't done a social work degree. And we ship him in to do what? You know, why Why should it, why did we have someone so devices? Why did we have someone the way we have to really... Was there it? any kind of pushback for, for him doing it at the time? Yeah, yeah. So um, loads of pushback. So Basra wrote a thing. He's, um, there was a massive thing um, in terms of academics. They wrote... Um, an open letter which was signed by lots and lots of different academics, lots of different um, directors of service saying, we just don't think you've got the right person. Yeah, we're not saying we don't need a review. No. Actually, I think... We do need a review. Everyone would be saying, we need a review, but actually... Yeah. Because, and that kind of goes back to what your original point was, actually, if we don't get the right person doing the review, we're not going to get the outcomes of this review that are actually really authentic and what everybody needs. Exactly. It's going to be with a kind of... Some kind of agenda, maybe. Exactly. So, yeah, so this is interesting. So he was a teacher um, for about a couple of months. And then he took time off. He took a sickie to go and speak to Gove again. Here comes Gove again. Uh, to talk about getting funding for Frontline. Now, funding from Frontline is not just from the Department for Education. Mm. It's also from these massive companies like Credit Suisse, whatever it's called. Do you know about them? No. Really immoral venture capitalists that do horrible things to lots of different countries, um, but it's all for money. It's just highly controversial. So, you know, we have a social work organisation, charity, doing dealings with... It sits really uncomfortable, doesn't it? It it's does. It's uncomfortable. It does. So then how did they do the review? Did they kind of interact with all of the local authorities within no, England? they didn't act with... Um, they, did, they chose some. Right. Basically, they chose kind of um, who would be representing who. And it was people that agreed with the review and re- agreed with Mr McAllister being there. Okay. They got a seat at the table. And there's lots of private, kind of not-for-profit charities as well, and all of this kind of stuff. Okay. That are kind of sitting next to him. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, what would be interesting to look at, where the recommendations go. Do they say, actually, we need more teacher training? Who should we do to that? Oh, I know, let's try Frontline. Mm. Do we need uh, more advocacy? Who could we do that? Oh, my buddy that sat mm. on the board. Oh. Mm. And all of this kind of stuff. So where is that money? Let's follow the money mm. with these recommendations. Okay. Um, so that's that's what will be interesting to look at. So the independent review had an interim report. Now, before the interim report came out, there was an article in the Times. You know, Times is all firewalled, paywalled. Yeah. Because this article came out in the Times. Luckily, my mum reads the Times. Right. And it basically said that, massive headline, child protection is like a runaway train. So we go in and we just don't care. We just go and snatch the children away and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So it was complete sensationalisation of what we do. But also, let's think about that. Because, first of all, it's not just downplaying the complexities of what we do. Mm -hmm. The fact that actually our first thought is always about supporting families, Mm -hmm. about keeping families together. Whenever we're doing that kind of supporting role, we don't go in and go, oh, actually, um, I won't attend to any risk because that's not my job. Or if we do go in for a child protection visit, mm. we don't go, oh, actually, 
I'm not going to think about support because that's not my role either. Mm. Yes, it's about juggling all of those kind of interactions with one another. Assessing risk really quickly under difficult circumstances. Yeah. But whilst trying to underpin, actually, if we can support this family to to remain together, what yeah. can we? Do, what's available that we can available to them to enable that to happen? Exactly, exactly. So it just didn't reflect the work that we do. And also, by painting the social workers as these, you know, the bad. It's kind of like he was trying to separate it into. You have good social workers that are mm. all nice and fluffy, and they do the support stuff and all the stuff that we like. They'll doing. have a cup of tea and listen to your problems. Yeah, get children to paint pictures of you know the favorite animals or whatever you know all of that kind of stuff and then you had the bad police social social worker police right that come in don't care about your opinions actually i'm going to come in i'm going to take your kids away and that's you know yes. separating that role and that's not what we do we actually try to be risk aware authoritative but also it's all about collaboration listening to children's voices listening to families voices mm trying to get that sense in the middle of all of well, that Well, and stuff. also what it's, what it's... And I didn't read the article myself, but it, what it also sounds like is it's missing that massive um, kind of actually... Uh, that social workers don't have the power to remove children from families, that actually social workers work within a system yeah. where they're being supported by managers and a wider kind of system of, of local authority statutory um, kind of responsibility for the welfare of children. Yeah. And that it has to go via a court process doesn't yes. it if you want to remove somebody's children because you're so concerned for their welfare you need to kind of either do that in the with an agreed with the parents agreeing yeah. to that or the matter being heard in a court where, yeah. a, where a judge or magistrates have to make those decisions and that court process is difficult we've been in court processes it's mm. it's not easy it's not an easy court process it's no. not easy to do no at all and there's been loads of times where I think the evidence is really clear that a child can't remain within a family. Mm. And the courts have kind of said, oh, actually, I'm not that sure. And so, therefore, you have to give even more of a chance. And Yes, you need to do more. You need to find more support or give more yeah. time, etc. Yeah. Okay. So, going back to then the article then that your mum yeah. had read yeah. in The Independent. And so, it was being really divisive around social the workers. The Times. Yeah. Um, the... So, the, the report then came out next. Um, a few days later. Okay. Now that was just really weird because it was all like publicised, all of this kind of stuff. So it was a report for social workers, for children's services and for uh, care, those those that are care experienced. Yet it was all done behind a paywall mm. beforehand, big public announcement, all of this kind of stuff. Mm. There was some kind of politics going on there. And then kind of we get to see uh, some, of the, some of the report beforehand. So some charities, some organisations. Um, the report came out. Now... Some organisations got an embargoed copy. While I was working at uh, British Association of Social Work, I got to see the report the day before. Right. So we had to do our responses because you go on media. I don't know if I told you, but I was on TV. <laughs> you must tell me more about that a bit later yeah, on. Okay. To do our statements, all of that kind of stuff. We need time it's to not, digest a, a day is nothing, is it? To, nothing. To, to digest a huge report... And respond to it. Absolutely. Because it can take hours to read something like that and process it. But we then... know other people had seen it beforehand. Right. So all this stuff about independence, all this stuff about, you know, it's, has to be, it's going to be a transparent process. It seems it's kind of transparent for some. And although it's independent, actually some... It's just all a bit... Didn't quite, it doesn't quite gel together. 
And so in terms of people were thinking about, re- if they haven't already read the interim report... Yes, case for change. Case for change. And yeah. where would people find that? You Google it and you find it online? Google it, you find it online. So it's um, on the uh, Independent Review website. Um, and there's been around 100 different responses to the case for change. Um, just highlighting. So for the British Association of Social Work, again, from the work that I did before, what we concentrated on was... What social workers thought, did it reflect their, their daily life? Did it reflect the communities that they're working with? And were social workers able to engage with them? And lots of people were saying no, 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 and no, really. Which is a real shame. So the interim report came out, and then what happened following that? So then there was kind of more... So they, they engaged with different, um, different services. They interviewed, I think it was, came up to a few thousand different social workers. Okay, so they did do a lot of interviews. I mean, bear in mind that there, it's not just social workers that they were talking about. They were talking about children's services. Okay. Uh, and in children's services, we've, so there's about 110,000 social workers in the UK. Okay, 110,000 mm-hmm. children social workers no, or in social, total? Yeah, around that. Okay. I know this is really crude, isn't it? But I'm guessing there's probably about half in terms of children's, children and families. Okay. So it's not necessarily representative of the whole of the, the whole thing. No, that's true because it's just taken me a moment to go, oh, okay, so a few thousand social workers mm. were consulted with or interviewed as part of the care review. Cherry-picked, probably. Cher- but also what you've also just told me is that there's 110,000 social workers practising. Mm. So actually that's a, a really small percentage, isn't it? And they weren't just talking about social work as well. They were talking about... Uh, family support workers, staff in residential settings, foster carers, independent visitors, different professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a huge amount, really. Mm-hmm. And putting my kind of methodological, academic type hat on, as soon as you start kind of making huge generalizations from such a small sample, you have to be really careful about what you're saying because mm. it just becomes dodgy really, really quickly and it wouldn't stand well, up. Well, it, it can be challenged, can't it, really yeah. quickly as well. Yeah. So it wouldn't stand up for um, something like peer review, which is a whole huge process that when you try and publish papers and it takes months of people going through every single guy saying, no, you can't say that, no, you can't say that, no, you can't infer that, all of that kind of stuff. And it just seems that actually, in terms of the evidence of the review, it's kind of a little bit selective and it makes kind of big, Jump. So that's the background to the review. Do you want to get onto the report? Let's hear about the report. So the foreword from Josh McAllister for the case for change review, the interim report. Okay, this is the first paragraph. I'm just really curious, can you tell me how many pages? Because I always like to know if I'm going to read this report, how many pages is it? How long might it take me to read? 82 pages. Okay. 82 pages long. And I thought, rather than go through it all, mm-hmm. I'll just read you, so get, give you a flavour of the, the thing. I'll just read you the first paragraph and just see what you think. Oh, another thing that annoys me, this is not just a Mr. McAllister thing. People call him Josh. You know how people call people Boris? Right, to take, make it sound more informal and approachable yeah. or harmless, yes. maybe. Yeah, I'm not saying that Josh McAllister is harm, harmful. No. But I just don't like that. I just, I'm always really cautious when people abbreviate, hmm. abbreviate no. to first names. Oh, that's really interesting. Makes sense now why you always call me by my full name as well. <laughs> no, that's because of the joke. <laughs> the joke, knock, knock. Okay, we won't go in. No, we're not doing that. Yeah, here. let's do it. Come on, knock, knock. Who's there? Sarah Flag. Sarah Flag, who? Sarah Flag on this house. Castle. <laughs> <laughs> it 
took me 10 minutes to get it when you first told it to me, so I'm right. not sure anyone else is going to get so, it. So, a foreword from uh, Josh McAllister. Note I said full name. Chair of the Independent Review. So, the pandemic, this was written in the... In the uh, in the middle of the pandemic, been out of lockdown for a bit and blah, blah, blah. The pandemic has shuffled who helps and who is helped. As individuals, we have been vulnerable in countless ways to the forces of a global event, but families, friends and neighbours have bolstered us. Since March 2020, our shared national experience has been one of greater isolation, but out of the shared experience has grown a fuller understanding of our human need for quality relationships and, dare we say it, love. What do you think of that? I think my first thing is, he obviously acknowledges the pandemic, but also doesn't really acknowledge what the purpose of his review is. So it almost <laughs> is draws people in on um, the tragedy, I think I could only describe really, when we're thinking about people's experiences of the pandemic. Yeah. It's... Strange, because he's always kind of talking about the pandemic as if it was... Okay, it was a terrible thing. It was a great leveller for all of us. Mm -hmm. Whether it was or not is another matter. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure people who had gardens, <laughs> yeah, for example. Um, but it's also this kind of idea of actually what I saw was people, come, communities coming together, helping each other, all of this kind of stuff. Now, we know that that happened. There was loads of Facebook stuff coming up at that time. Mm -hmm. But group streets coming together to, you know, old Mrs. Jones down the road, so can someone go and get her shopping, all of that kind of stuff. How long did that last? A few weeks? Mm. A month? I'm not necessarily sure that, and again, this might be this kind of work that we did, mm. but this, that might not have been the, I get that, and I think that's really important, and that there were um, opportunities and communities came together, which is a really beautiful thing in many ways. But actually, there was lots of communi communities that were driven further away from each other. Yeah. There were people that were left in isolation yeah. and we're still today managing the fallout, I guess, if want for a, a better expression really, of people's deterioration in mental health and isolation, suicides have gone up. You know, I know I'm going off topic here, yeah, but I yeah. think just that forward, um, and I'm not necessarily suggesting you should name all of the, the, the real kind of difficult stuff that happened, but it's a bit fluffy. It's a bit fluffy. Mm. And I have a problem with love as well. Not, Tell me. Not, not love in general. I just don't like it. No. <laughs> I just, um, I think love is an interesting concept, isn't it? And, and I bring this back to um, the, me being Jewish sometimes. Okay. So in the New Testament, there's lots of talk about uh, love thy neighbour, love your enemy, all of that kind of stuff. Great stuff. You know, we should all get bored of that. In, uh, in the Old Testament, love is very, very much aligned with social justice and justice so it's quantifiable things right the trouble with love is it's not quantifiable as you'll know but anyone will everyone will know when we're thinking about our own relationships when we're measuring justice you can measure when justice has happened someone has had been heard someone has said something and they've been listened to some action has happened because of it. So justice is more quantifiable than love. If we look at love, how do we know that we are loved? And that's, that's the topic of Adele's new album. Well, all of her albums, isn't it? It's the topic of all of our life. We think about love and we think about how we, can, how we know that we are loved. Mm -hmm. It's much less quantifiable because someone will say, I love you, 
does that necessarily mean that you are receiving their love? I mean, I think that's a really good question and that could in itself be a whole topic that we could talk about. Yeah. So I think for me, when we use around the term love and receiving love or giving love, absolutely, it's a personal experience, isn't Ooh. it? And actually for many people, particularly uh, within the work that we do, love is not always something that feels safe feels healthy feels fulfilling it can also feel quite harmful what is the love that people might have received actually isn't isn't what other people would describe as love and sometimes it's used as an excuse as well Mm. well you know it's because i love you Mm. if you look at if you if you look at your line of work as well in terms of um domestic abuse domestic violence you know how is love used in in those situations someone saying it's because I love you or it's mm. only because I can't I can't help it I love him or whatever it might be yeah so the term love we kind of have that society kind of has a connotation that it it's all beautiful things and actually it isn't it's much more complex than that yeah so I suppose we've kind of set oh wait oh no 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 before we go on to what we're gonna do next time right the last little bit that you'll love this Oh, I'm not sure I will, but I see your face right now. So the central idea is, I'll read this bit out. The case for change sets out an urgent need for a new approach to children's social care in England. Okay, we can't argue about that. Mm -hmm. There needs to be change, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Our children's social care system is a 30-year-old Tower of Jenga, held with sellotape, simultaneously rigid yet shaky. What do you think that means? I don't know if it, I don't know what that means. What do you know that's rigid but shaky? Oh, I don't know if we should even go there. <laughs> <laughs> I am just, I'm just, I think it's a curious statement to make. So I think the next bit he says is there'd be many reviews, which there have, and attempts to reform since the landmark introduction of the 1989 Children Act. And though each has ushered incremental progress, we are now left high and dry with a stack of legislation, systems, structures and services that with their sheer complicatedness make it hard to imagine something different, let alone address foundational problems. So what he's talking about here, 1989 Children Act was around 30 years ago. So that's what he's talking about. And he's, I guess what he's saying is actually what we're doing is we keep adding new things and adding new things and adding new things. When you say new things, like a new legislation. legislation. Okay, 2004. New practices. Oh, here comes, here comes, uh, you know, best practice in terms of uh, domestic violence. Oh, contextual safeguarding. Oh, relationship-based practice. Oh, uh, mockingbird or whatever it might be. Yeah. Just adding and adding and adding. And it's just getting taller, but it's all kind of held together kind of really shakily with cellotape okay right it's a bit weird isn't it um i think yeah i get the concept of the 1989 and that does underpin a lot of the the legislation and work that we have to do i think it's right that we continue to add to it because learning develops um people change systems change communities change and we should be constantly kind of reviewing how we approach this work on the other hand i guess i'm kind of coming at it from from a position of going there's a, there's a clear agenda here. So we do know we need to do a review, but there's a clear kind of saying, actually, everything you're doing, everything that's been going on is not working. And actually, there are bits that work. Yeah. You know, there are there are success stories. There are so much... There's so much... You know, I'll always advocate for social workers and um, the work that... The day-to-day work that they're doing. Every and day. And I think... Yeah, every day. And not just every day... 
but in everybody in their lives it take you know social workers don't just do the nine to five do they as we know mm. whether or not you're um kind of cancelling your own plans because you're gonna you need to write a report or actually you're lying awake at night because you're really over you know you're thinking over and over again about the right decision that you need to make in terms of a family so you know social workers take on a lot and i think it's the systems that they're working in is 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 this is the struggle yeah um but and i think uh josh McAllister kind of says that so interestingly he does pick up on that and I think there was a lot of fight back after the case for change of him saying, well, um, you know, just kind of naming actually social workers haven't done this or not bolstering social workers enough. Mm. Um, and now he kind of his his line is, well, actually, social workers do a good job in spite of the systems. OK, OK. So, so he's kind of moved towards that. And his, his language towards social workers has kind of softened. OK. Interestingly, in the in the in the report, right. So next time, tell me about next time, Paul. What we'll do is we'll just look through the first part of the care review, and we'll just look through it. And what I'll do is I'll read bits from it, mm-hmm. um, and then we can just kind of have little discussions about love. <laughs> no. <laughs> I always like discussions about love. However, for people who are listening, what? What bits, when we're going to pull out bits, what's the what's going to be useful? To, what's your kind of vision around actually the bits that you're pulling out? What are the bits that you're going to be looking to, to be pulling out? So it'll be looking at exactly what this means in terms of our practice. Right. Exactly what it means in terms of our day-to-day stuff. Right. Exactly what this means in terms of the future of social work. Where are we going to go? Who's going to be, who's going to be our next generation of social workers? Who's going to be the new leaders in terms of social workers? Well, obviously, uh, teachers. apart from teachers who are going to be the new leaders in terms of social work because every time every time that I have a new class I see some amazing students there who can add so much to our understanding of social work that come in with new ideas come in different ways of thinking about things the Mm. younger generation I believe the children are our future if we teach them (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's absolutely amazing, and we have a lot to learn. So let's have a look at let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at the future of social work. Fantastic! I'm looking forward to it. Cool. So let's have a. a obviously, you're going to have a longer reflection on this. Yes. As I am, because we're reflective, evidence-informed practitioners. Yes. Um, so, but just give me a bit, kind of brief reflection in terms of, in terms of uh, what we've just been kind of been talking about. So. What kind of really struck you in terms of what we were talking about? Well, I guess for me, what struck me the most today was um, kind of hearing about the um, the the beginnings of what's what we're going to learn more about with the care the care review, how it came about, and I guess in some ways I'm kind of left with more questions, but I guess that's the right thing to come away going. Actually, I've got more questions about this, but also. I'm just really struck about how it came about, how the how Josh McAllister, it was decided that he should do the, the care review. And of course, it's also really hard for me to kind of form too much of an opinion about that until I kind of, we, we talk again and I hear the, the kind of actually the impact on social workers or everyday practice and then not just the impact on social workers, but actually the people who we are serving, working with, supporting, you know, the families and children really. Yeah, great. 
and mine is to listen more. <laughs> 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 but yes.